Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. We may sing that one again to close, just letting you know. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for it. If you read the text today, uh, you might have picked it up, how this fits with the text today, but I'll say it this way. Um, <clears throat> life ain't that easy sometimes. And the longer you live, the more you know it. But I'll tell you this, it's remembering God's faithfulness, and it's so easy to lose, lose sight of it. I got this trip coming up, and I'm like, the same thing we're singing. These guys were practicing today, and Sage is up there playing, and Mark's over there singing. I'm like, I need that one today. You know, it was earlier. I need that one. I, I need to know that from this scripture. I need to remember that. And I don't know, sometimes a song brings it out a lot more than other things. So we, I don't know, we may come back to it. Um, glad you're here. We all need God's word. We need it. We need it living in us. We know that the very presence of Jesus. And that's why we're here because we're all, we all need him. Now we're going to do something a little different. I did not do the double dip, double greeting today, though I, I really almost did. So Dan and I always... Uh, we, we both do that sometimes. But we're going to do something a little different. Um, I'm going to call out some people by name. I'm going to have them stand up. Now you're all worried if it's you. It's not. They already know who it's going to be. <laughs> um, but we're going to pray for those who serve in our public schools. So I know we've got some people that educate at home. But there's just something about, you know, our... The, if you want to talk about what our community's like, the public school is one way to look at it. And we get people on both campuses. I mean, it, it's a pretty long list when you go with Sawyer Campus and this campus. And those who do that understand what we all understand. When Jesus has called us to himself, he's called us as a son and daughter of him. That's our primary identity. And it's knowing that. But on the other hand, he's also put things in us so that it's not that we're great, it's that he's great. And we're all dependent people. What we want to do is walk just following him. Some of us feel like we're stumbling as we follow him. But the point is that we're with him. And that he lives in us. And that comes out in some way. And we're going to see that in the text today. We're going to see Jesus' compassion in that. But that's all we're doing. God, would you open up? The, I'm, I'm, I'm with, you know, you get this slice of life or whatever. And whether you get kids in school or grandkids in school or you're so glad you're done with school, whatever it is. Um, school's tough. There's a lot of things. So we want to pray for those who are serving there. So I'm going to call out some names. Some are here. We've got a lot of people gone. And just to, just to stand up, uh, Justin Bainey is someplace, I think, still here. Okay. Serves down, I don't remember the name of the school in South Bend. Charter. Yep, Career Academy down there. Uh, Jeremy Lugbill is superintendent that he's not here, I don't think. And, and Kristen, his wife, is a counselor someplace locally in Indiana. Uh, Erica Johnson, I think, is here. Are, is it... Uh, Phys Ed Elementary? Okay. I, if I start naming what people do, I'll be wrong. Okay. In, in our local schools right here. I don't think Patty Iazetto's here. She, she's done food service, I think still is, in our local school here. I know Sean and Tammy Drew's are out of town, and they do like all kinds of things locally, like bus, secretary, secretary like everything. They, they like do all those, the, the gap thing, both Sean and Tammy, but he had a gig last night, so they're out of town. We're going to pray for them. Ann Stewart is up in uh, Benton Harbor in River of Life. I don't think she's here. Um, Todd, where's Todd Tanksley? Todd, you got to come in. He's out and back. I don't know if I should say this out loud. So you know those guys that are greeting? Peter, you on the greeting team? You do that greeting? You're not yet? Have you been asked to do that? 
Oh, we get, I don't know why that is. We'll make sure. Okay. So he's out there greeting. He, he's greeting and keeping you safe, if you know what I mean. So that's, that's what he's doing. We got a couple guys that do that, but you know, when they got the badge on, they're saying hello, but they're also doing that. Todd has worked so out in Edgewater Automation, but has been big on the robotics program locally. All right, who am I missing? Oh, Jessica. Voss is gone. She coaches, but she's got the, the shops in town, the, the yogurt place, but she coaches. And I think, oh, Janelle Falk that doesn't attend this campus, but she attends a Sawyer campus. She's the elementary music teacher now at the elementary school. So if you can do this with me, what's Mark do? Mark, you in robotics too? Stand up, Mark. I didn't know that. Well, who else am I missing? Stand up. Yeah, other people ratted you out, not me. Okay? <laughs> Thank you. No, no, yeah, stay standing. Yeah, I, I know you're... Oh, nobody listens to me. You know that? Uh, is there anybody else I missed? Okay. So if, you, if you're okay with this, my wife likes you, like you hold the hand thing out. If that's like really weird for you, don't do it. But if it's okay for you, just towards them, and I'm going to pray, and it's simply praying God's blessing over them, okay? Father, thank you for these that you've joined us to here. We, we belong to you, and that's it. And you've given these brothers and sisters particular gifts, and Father, we pray this. We pray that every day they're in that school, that they'd just be aware of you, and they wouldn't try to do more than they have to. But at the same time, they'd be open to you and whatever you would do through them. Use them to be your love, your compassion. Use them in the lives of people, Lord, we pray. And let this be a place, Lord, where they walk closely with you. We all need you, but let it be. Protect them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. That was someone else's idea, not mine. To, yeah, you know who? What's that? They did it at Sawyer also, yeah. We had a bunch. All right. So we are in uh, Matthew chapter 14. I invite you to have your Bibles open. Uh, Yvette is going to be reading it soon. Do you have the microphone? Okay. I'm going to give some introduction to this, okay? So we always like starting with context. Context is what's been taking place, what's the big picture. So I'm not going to go scene by scene what's taking place, but here's kind of the, the big picture in all this. As Matthew's got this gospel unfolding, and we're right about the halfway point, a little beyond Really, the question of Jesus' identity, who this guy is, has, it's been getting more pronounced. And what we've seen is different people responding to him in different ways. So on the one hand, you have the Pharisees, and I, it's probably not all of them, to be fair, but at least the leadership of the Pharisees are very much threatened by Jesus, and they've declared, as they see his miracles, oh, it's by the power of Satan that he does it. So you get, they're seeing the same things that people are, but there's clear rejection of him. We have some people that wonder, could this be the Messiah? They wonder that because they know the Old Testament prophecies, Jewish culture, you're taught all this stuff. There's other people that hear his teaching. They have even experienced his miracles and Jesus says, but they don't respond to him. They are unrepentant. And so he, he gives a word of, you know, warning or judgment there. And then he goes to his hometown, as we saw just last week. They're offended at him. So we get different kind of responses. Some are a little bit ambivalent. Some are wondering. Some are offended and some outright reject him and his disciples kind of following along him. So remember in chapter 13, we've got all these parables. And the one that kind of set the stage was the parable of the seed in the soil. Where he's got these four kinds of soils. And Jesus tells that one to indicate, as he says, here's the kingdom of heaven, but how people respond. And as we walk through that one, here was the very interesting thing about it. 
Every single one of the soils gets the seed. That is every single one. They're representing the hearts of people. Every single one of them hears God's word. They responded differently. And so when we thought about that, if you want to say it this way, but in terms of our culture, they're all in church. They all hear, but only a certain percentage of them respond repentant, believing really to, the, to Jesus in that way. And so every time we hear scripture, I say this a lot of times, our tendency is to think, oh man, I really wish he was here hearing this sermon. He needs it so bad. That's not, that's not what we want to do. Our tendency is to think, who else needed this one? We, want, we need God to say, I need this one. I do. So Lord, speak to me on this one. So even on that one, we ought to take it seriously. Like, I want, I want to be that good soil. I, what does that mean? And so keep, wherever that is, let's keep asking the Lord to work. And here's the deal. He knows this anyway, right? He just does. And when you see him in scripture, he speaks with compassion. In, in fact, when we read this text, it doesn't use the word correction or discipline or rebuke. There's a loving correction to his disciples and it's so subtle and it's so wonderful and we need it. All right. Is that what I was saying by introduction? Oh, this, this other thing then. So when Jesus, when he, when he's speaking, you're always going to get, it's either going to be explicit or it's veiled. There's always some invitation. Come on in, come on in. And you'll, you'll see that today. So, uh, this is the feeding of 5,000, one of the most well-known events in, in Jesus' life, told by every single gospel writer, and it's, it's, th- it happened, but we did this at the 10 o'clock hour, where we kind of walked through it, so it unfolds like a story. That doesn't mean it's not real. It's real, but there's a setting to it, and it goes like this. It starts with Jesus wanting to withdraw and go to a desolate place, but the crowd followed him. And then what you see is the disciples later on presenting to him, so setting the problem. What's the problem? 5,000 families, no food, getting late. Is that a problem? Yeah, when we were in the 10 o'clock class, it was, it was pretty fun. I love having Sage and Mark in there because like Mark said, yeah, they don't got food. It would take a, a young boy to identify that's the problem right away. They, they, don't, they got 5,000. That, that was a big problem. And then what we're going to see is the disciples' solution is not Jesus' solution. It's really interesting. And in Jesus' solution, it almost presents the problem even worse. He says, you give them something to eat. And they're going like, we don't have anything. We got like five loaves, two fish. And then we see the resolution. What Jesus does. And this whole point of this is this. Jesus is teaching his disciples about who he is. And he's showing them how he wants them to do ministry. That's for us too. So if I I want to use one sentence as a main idea, here it is, that Jesus can provide miraculous solutions that are bigger than we can imagine, which helps us to see him. Think about that. It is true today as it was then. Do you believe that? So what's our response to that? It's simply this. Watch it in this, as this unfolds. So come to him. Listen to him. Do what he says. And watch him work. He might even use you in that. 
And that's how this is going to go. So will you stand with me as we give our attention to the word of God? Yvette, come and read this. It's Matthew chapter 14, verses 13 to 21. I want to say this. This matters for us. It really does. That's why I don't use electronics. <laughs> I had it. I'd I have that Bible that's like a weapon. <laughs> so I can see it, by the way. My <laughs> now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them, gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Lord, help us now. For many of us, this is a, an account we've heard different times. doesn't mean we don't need it now, now and it doesn't mean that we don't know what you intend for us. Just because I've heard something doesn't mean I've learned it. And I want to learn it. I want to learn it for my flights tomorrow and the people I'm going to be with in Central Asia. I want to learn it for the situations that are going to come up that I don't understand. I want to learn it for everyday problems, big ones, small ones. That's what we need, Lord. We need to know you. All of us do. We need to know in our Monday morning, you're there present. You want to show us you. You want to work in us and through us. So help us, Lord, to receive your word as you intend today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Yvette. All right, we'll go through this uh, fairly fast, but I, I, you know, it's a story we know pretty much. I want to walk through it, and then I, but I'm going, to, I'm going to pause at points thinking applicationally, and we'll kind of try to land it that way in the end. Um, Again, Jesus is teaching his disciples who he is, and he's showing his disciples how to carry out his ministry, which matters for us. The setting is this. What has happened right before is John the Baptist has died, and Jesus has just learned of that. So what we read is Jesus withdraws to a desolate place by himself. Think about that part for a moment. Because Jesus does this frequently. He's modeling withdrawing. He needed time to be alone with the Father. So we could go like, hey, what, what, what's he doing there? Is he, it could be he's processing John the Baptist's death. Maybe he's thinking about his own because he, know he knows it's coming. But we don't know what he's thinking, but I would, I, would, I would argue it this way more. If Jesus did this and he did it periodically, don't I need to too? I mean, he's getting away. Do you think Jesus' life was busy? All the time he lands and like everybody's there. 
I, it doesn't matter. I talk to people, you know, it, doesn't, it really doesn't matter how old they are. When I talk to people, I go, man, life's busy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm just, it's busy. It doesn't get better. If you're this age, you think, oh, but I only get this age. It get better. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't. Just, it is. So what's that mean? And I don't, when you look at Jesus' life, it's not like you do like, man, he had, that was a relaxed dude. He was, no. People around him all the time. So when he steps out like that, it's very important for us to see it and to note it. He does it regularly, and all the disciples, uh, all the writer, gospel writers say this. And I don't want to go by this quickly. And this is something we've talked, I would say this is a, a relatively new rhythm that probably the last five, six, or seven years we're trying to give attention to as a church. And I'm just going to mention some places where, where that happens. Um, I won't, I'm not going to do the hands thing. I often do it. But I want to encourage you. In the spring, we have a men's retreat and a women's retreat. It has been an emphasis for the last five or six years to learn, to try to learn what it means to step out of the busyness of life and just be with Jesus. You guys know me? I, I operate too fast most of my life. I need this. I'm trying that way. We, we've talked about it in terms of spiritual practices. How do we incorporate these things more regularly? And that, we've, we've done that in men's and women's ministry kind of things. Uh, some of you know this. We actually have a retreat center that's out in Buchanan. That you can go out and take a private retreat. It's wooded. If you want to, you can use the cabin. It's like there's animals out there. I've done it overnight. I mean, there's a, there's a wood stove. There's like, there's, it's, it's out there. But I mean, you want to get away. And so there's all this stuff. And all I want to say is this, learning to pull out and get away is important. And it's really uncomfortable for us. But it's really good. Jesus is modeling something. And I, I don't know about you. I have to change location. I have to change space. Can I do this at home in my little chair or my, my little ball around this Many, many of us have hard things that have happened to us in life. And there's times we've asked God, would you take this kind of thing away? And it didn't happen. But he didn't leave us. He did not leave us. He's shown himself to be faithful. And all this is more about him showing himself to us so that we would walk with him. I will always tend to look at things on a certain surface level because this is the solution I want. And it's just not how God does it. Even, even in this one, it's very interesting how, how Jesus does this. So the, the problem here is, first of all, it's primarily that they don't even ask Jesus. Um, one of my favorite books on prayer, I'll, I don't mind recommending certain things a hundred times in my life. Uh, Paul Miller wrote The Praying Life. Um, actually just gave a book to the pastors. He wrote The Praying Church. It's all about it in community. His dad's Jack, so I've given out that devotion a bunch of times, but he tells these stories and he's really self-deprecating. And he, there's one story where he's talking about his mom who's like in her eighties or whatever, lives in London. And, um, she's driving someplace and she prays for parking place spots. He goes like, mom, you, you ask God for parking places. She goes, how else would you find a parking place in London? She says, I like that answer. How else would you find one? You can ask him anything. You don't have to look for your own solution. We do that in big and small things. And I'll tell you, front of the line, guilty as charged. I'm rebuked by all that happens here and with the disciples. Second problem the disciples here is they actually want the crowds to deal with their own problem instead of getting involved themselves. You get that? Send them away. <laughs> they created this. They should be packing a lunch. They, you know, send them away to go get it. They want, they want these guys to go to it. But here's Jesus' solution. 
Jesus' solution will teach the disciples about who he is and what ministry is and what it means to walk with him. That is true for us. So Jesus says to them, they don't need to go away. That's a problem. What do you mean they don't need to go away? No, they don't need to solve their own issue here. And then he says, you give them something to eat. I wanted to see the disciples' faces when he said that. You don't need to send them away. Do you see the gentle correction in this? He didn't say you're wrong. Could say you're wrong. He could call them lots of names. He didn't call them lots of names. He says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. He, he, he wants them to really get this. Jesus is involving the disciples. The, the, the crowd's needs are actually for the 12 disciples to consider, not to send them away. Jesus has compassion through the disciples. Do we? I want to have God's heart like that. I want to. So he says it. You give them something to eat, and they come up with, okay, okay, we, we, we did a little collection here. All we got is five loaves, two fishes. That, that, that's, still, that's still a problem, right? That's all we got. So what's Jesus say? No, I'm not going to say it. Look at your, oh, we do have it. Do have, okay. I was going to ask it, make it a little hang out there a little. He asks them, bring him here to me. Don't you love that? Bring him here to me. Somebody ask you this, do you want to run away from Jesus or do you want to run to him? Do you tend to be the person always figuring out your own solutions? Or do you want to learn to come to him? Because you know what Jesus wants from you? He wants you to read your Bible more. He wants you to be a better wife, better husband. Nope. It's actually not what he wants. He wants you to come to him. That's it. He Wants you to come to him. It's not very American. I mean, I can Google anything and find the solution, right? Don't we, don't, isn't that our tendency to big things, small things, parking places, whatever it is. He wants us to come to him. Now I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I want you to think of that phrase where he says, bring him here to me for just a moment. Let's zoom out of this scene and remember chapter 11. Remember that? He says, come, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I'm gentle, I'm, I'm humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my burden is easy. My yoke is light. He's saying, what's he there's an invitation, come. And when he says that, that yoke, as we went through that section, it's like, it's his yoke. Be joined up to him. He takes that, he carries that, he does that with you, okay? It's invitation. Bring it here to me. Bring those five loaves, two feet. Bring it here. That's what he says. Uh, next week, we're going to see it. It's the uh, Peter walking on the water. And, and again, <clears throat> Throughout these scenes, we get the disciples. They don't get everything. They got, they're fearful sometimes. And so Jesus will walk on the water, and they think it's a ghost. They're freaked out. And Peter goes, ah, that's really you, Jesus. You know, tell me to come. He goes, come. Come, Peter. That's what Jesus is continually saying that. Come. It's not more complicated than that. Doesn't mean it's easy. But that's what he says. Okay. That's the invitation. 
bring it, bring it here to me. Five loaves, two fish comes. And I love this. Jesus involves the disciples now in ministry and serving the people. So the crowds are told to, to sit, sit down and wait. They're not lining up. And Jesus looks to heaven as he prays with blessing, letting these guys know, okay, this is, this is the father who's going to be providing this. And then he, he breaks the food. He gives it to the disciples to serve. Think of this picture. It's 5,000 families. I mean, Jesus could have gone like, boom, food. Could all, all, could all been out there like manna, right? Out there. It's not what he does. He's involved in disciples who just said, send him away. Prays, breaks it, gives the disciples. And the disciples are walking through every single person they're looking at in eyes. They're, they're feeding. They're out there. And it says they all ate and they were, what's the word? Satisfied. They get full. That's the Romanian. I'm, I'm satisfied. I ate enough. And then it says they had 12 baskets of leftovers. My wife's favorite verse in the Bible. She loves leftovers. <laughs> She's like, we, we got food for this meal and the next one. There, but it's 12 of them. What does that mean? The disciples went, every disciple went out and was collecting a basket. Every disciple saw, so they went out and served the people. So I'm all, they're sad. They had enough. Nobody's like skimping. No, Jesus gives them more than enough, and they've got leftovers. Every single disciple saw it. All right, let's, let's loop back and think about this. That's the story. 5,000 families. Who is Jesus? What's he doing here? Man, it's profound teaching, profound modeling for these disciples to show them how ministry is done. For sure, there are some people in that crowd I mean, they're there, they, they're pretty dig, they're much digging the free meal, and that's pretty much all they get out of that. I mean, that's cool. There are other people that are realizing, well, what's going on here? This is, it's not just their, this is, this is Lord of heaven and earth. There are some that are remembering what they were taught all growing up, how God did that for their ancestors. They're in a desolate place. They remember the wilderness where God had taken the people after 400 years in slavery. How old is our country? 400 years of slavery. The Jewish people in, in that amount of time, most of them had lost the concept of God. They lived underneath Egyptian rule as slave labor, a polytheistic country. So when the plagues come in, God is demonstrating as the Lord of heaven and earth over every single one of these little demon gods, the, de the God of the sun, the God of the river, the God of the harvest. He's, he's Lord of all. He saves them. He brings them out through the Red Sea. Supernatural saving. Now what? We're in the desert. And he provides for them every single day. Every day. They would That... That enactment of that in Jesus' life, they're meant to see that this is Jesus providing for them as God the Father provided. And in John chapter 6, uh, Jesus says it this way. He says, I'm the bread of life. Moses isn't the one who, who fed you. It was God himself. I think I actually have this one. Do I get John 6, 32? Okay. Ooh, I'm going to read it this way. So this is the same scene but this is John's verse. He says, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. 
Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That's what he wants them to see. You're going to eat now and get hungry later. But the fact that I provided this, there's a lot more going on. He said, that's what God was doing in the wilderness. When he's taking care of you, that's who God is. He will take care of you. All my life, you've been faithful. All my life, you've been so, so good. He wants them to know it's him. He's the bread of life. So let's, let us think about this. I think the main thought here is that Jesus can provide miraculous solutions that are bigger than we can imagine. And in so doing, that helps us to see him, to see him. Do you believe that in what you're wrestling with right now? That's what I pray. We all got stuff. Doesn't matter how old we are. Doesn't matter. We don't have to compare our stuff with someone else. It's who he is. So what do we do? Here's the response God will be calling us to. This is the transformation that we need. So come to him, listen to him, do what he says. When I says do what he says, that's, that's, it's not based on our work. This is the faith and obedience. Okay, God, in faith, I'll, I'll, I will, I'll respond to you this way. And then watch him work. Watch him use you. This is not, it's not complicated. So let me just ask you this. I'm going to pause. There's some here, we have people at all kinds of stages some of you are like, hey, I'm, I'm going to listen to stuff. I don't, I don't know if I've surrendered my life to Christ yet. And I'm just like, glad you're here. I mean, that's being honest with the Lord is the biggest thing. But I just ask you this, what's holding you back? What keeps you from that? And I'd encourage you in one way. Um, maybe you came with someone you can talk to about it, but they're not going to be the ones that are going to answer it for you. I would just say, talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. He, he knows you. He knows where you struggle. There's no sense hiding it. Just do that. Talk to them about it. But I'd say, don't wait. He's worth turning to. Um, for those who are Christ followers, I'll say it this way. Just like the disciples, he's teaching us, this is how we're to minister, or this is how we're to interact with whatever thing's going on, and to start by asking him, not our solution even if we think it's a good one. Because sometimes we have pretty good ones. It's not the one he wanted. He's got something better. Why? Because he wants to show, he wants us to see him. So I'm going to go through about three different ways to think of application here. One is, I don't have the, oh, these aren't projected, okay? So again, if you want notes, you can get notes, get on the Wednesday gems or whatever, but I'm just going fast. I need to repent of my tendency to provide my own solutions without even asking the Lord. Why wouldn't I ask him? What keeps me from doing that? So if you're wired that way, I would just ask the Lord to help you. About, if you dare, ask the Lord to help you with that. Because the problem is, if you do ask him, he'll probably put something really big in front of you that you can't handle. That's how he tends to teach me. You know, it's like, okay. Two, Jesus has compassion for his people. He's not saying figure it out. So ask the Lord for his heart for people. How about this? Think about this. Where is this hardest in my life? With whom? <laughs> Who annoys me? Who is it difficult? Ah, but they deserve it. So if, 
Lord, change me here. My heart of compassion in this place, this per- put, a, put a real face on it. Ask him about it. Thirdly, recognize that Jesus is, no, Jesus teaches and tests so that we might learn of him from him. That's what he's doing with his disciples. Failure is normal. It's where we learn. And Jesus is patient to teach his children. Have grace where you fail. Just keep following him. Okay, just keep following him. Okay, I'm going to end with a couple stories. I was trying to think how to do this, but I love this text. Uh, Here's the thing, whenever we preach, there's stuff that just happens all the time. Um, So the reason why I think it's important to call it out, I want to ask him about things. And when I ask him about things, then when he works, I'll see it. And then I'm giving him thanks and praise. You follow that? Uh, that's actually like, I think it's 2 Corinthians 1, like verse 11. He says something like, I need you to pray for me. Because <laughs> the more people that pray, the more God answers, the more God answers, the more people thank and worship him. It's actually about worship and thanks, which is kind of interesting. So I'm going to tell these two stories. I have to clean them up with details. But my daughter, who's, who's single, and our daughter, who's single in, in uh, Chicago, she's got these three foster kids, had them three and a half years. They're awesome. They're a lot of work. Middle guy, Trey, is wonderful. Four years old. Just got, some of you know the story. I mean, just came out of all kinds of stuff. Um, so Trey's gone through, I uh, just got, is it IDP, IEPs, IDPs? Yeah, that he's, he's just gotten. So he tried preschool last year and it was bad. And um, so he just got tested. So they got all these services that they want to give him in CPS. Well, because they've got him tested doesn't mean he's going to get them. So they give her the school assignment. So she's a school teacher in a private school. And um, they give it to him, and she takes him at school in their neighborhood. And it, she goes, his dad is like a prison. I can't, she goes, I can't send him there. He'll just be traumatized. It's one of these schools where they have report cards and stuff, you know, in schools. Well, it failed. And it's like down here and got provisional status. So it's on provisional status. I can't send him there. I'd rent him, put him in my school where we don't have the services for him. At least they know him and they'll love him, but he won't get the services. They got the services here, and it's, it's crazy. She goes, I, I, I can't do it. And all I could say to her, now remember this conversation. <clears throat> it's that song. Lord, I don't know how, Noel, I don't know how God will do it, but I know this. He is faithful to that little boy. He's already shown it. He took him out of that cesspool and he put him in your house. Before the pandemic, if he had gone through the pandemic there, what would have happened? He, he's already shown his faith. I don't know what he'll do, but he'll show, he will show it. And he did. Like incredible someone else says, hey, why don't you try this school over here? Which they didn't recommend for. Same zip code. Well, they didn't put him there because he's black and it's a Hispanic school, you know? So like, so she, oh, someone shows up, her other daughter shows up at her house, just happens to be there one day, you know how God does that, so that she's free and she can, so Amber's watching the kids, Noel can go over here, she pops in the school just to check. The principal happens to be there, the preschool teacher happens to be there, and they got all the services that he needs. And they go like, oh, we got room for, for him. He would love it here. I mean, the whole thing is all welcoming. And she's like, wow. She would never even have gone there. And then, um, well, so she does all this. Stuff. It's got to be approved, you know, by all that. You know how, you know how <clears throat> you know, Chicago works. Everything's so fast. Public schools, efficient. <laughs> so she's like on this. She can't even get a real person. It's like a waiting list for the, like, 
They got all these people who had over. She goes, I don't know if he's even going to get in a month. I don't, I'm going to get a word back. All I get is these voicemails. And so we're talking and praying anyway. The, the Friday at four o'clock before school starts on Monday, she gets the email. He's in. <laughs> God just did it. I mean, it's unbelievable. <clears throat> so Trey calls me Monday night after his first day of school. Grandpa, I'm going to learn Spanish. <laughs> It's an English-speaking school, but he's all these preschool kids. And I'm like, oh, buddy. He is, and it's been so good for him. Every, I mean, it's just been so good for him. Uh, my buddy Kevin, got him in a seat in a little bit. It's not his name, my Central Asian friend. Oh, man, he drove me crazy the last three weeks. He's wonderful. I, I have told you, I, my, my friends say, why, how do you do that? How do you not kill him? I said, I married his sister. You know, like <laughs> my wife and him, but just the same personalities. He's... People loving all over the place, no sense of time. Uh, I told you the last time I showed up at the airport, it's two in the morning, he's not even there. He's not even there. There's nobody who speaks English. I'm like, what am I? <clears throat> anyway, he, uh, I gotta do this one fast. Uh, his van's breaking down, he's needed to replace for a long time. Uh, he's trying to get one from South Korea, he's gotta sell his vehicle, all this stuff. He, guy lives on nothing, he needs some money. I'm like, he calls me like, hey, can you get a hold? He wants me to get a hold of this person and that person. Like, you don't know my life. I'll do what I can. And it created so many problems. Um, and I got these, I get these churches going like, what's he doing trying to get money and send over this way? We don't do it that way and all this. So long story short, I don't know how it happened. I, did, I just said to him one time, there's no way this can happen. There's like 10 things that need to fall into place. It's, just, it's not going to happen. I'm sorry. He put a down payment in his car in Korea. He's going to lose it. it I'm sorry. You, that's, you can call it faith. Some people call it presumption. I mean, like, you just did it. There's no plan. I can't get it to you. And, but I said, I know this. I don't know how, but God, God will be faithful to you. Maybe it's not this van. Maybe it's another one. I don't know why life works out for him, but it just works out for him. Like, God, seriously, one thing after another. And what it did was when I looked back at it, it allowed me to have a conversation with this church over here, and they're like, hey, we want to know more about this ministry. It allowed me to talk to a person over here. And these are hours of time. And, and we found out an electronic means to make a, a transfer. And the lady, I can't use the names of the countries. Um, so I go to this one country that's really persecuted. And she, she says, I want to learn more about your ministry. Because we need, oh, she had worked in the government in that country where I'm going for five years. She knows all these people. She knows people I know. She's friends with them. She says, I want to hear more about this, okay? Sorry, I left out a lot of details, but you get the deal? My, my friend that drives me crazy comes up with this need that he hasn't planned for in enough time, and he wants me to solve it, and I can't solve it. I'm telling him he's not going to solve it. I know God's going to do something some way. And God goes before and creates all this stuff, which is more than just getting the money for a car. It's more than that. This, this person over here, there's going to be ministry open up in this other country that I never dreamt of. Did you get that? Sorry, I, told, I, I had to leave out so many details. It's more fun with the details. But here's what I want us to see. Every obstacle, we're supposed to come to him. And he wants to show us himself. And when we do that, we, we often don't get the answer we want. I'm not promising that. But I'm just saying this. 
God provides in ways we can't dream of. And when we ask him, whatever he does, then we see it because we're asking him. And then we see it, and God often puts us in a situation, all I got is five loaves and two fish. I don't have it. Exactly, exactly, exactly. He says, I'm I'm, I'm the bread of life. So he goes, let me do it. Just watch me work. And when we ask him, we tend to see it. And we see it. That was God. And so our thanks and worship is multiplied over. You know what God wants to do? Right here, make worshipers of him. Because he is for real. He he loves his children. He died to save us. And this world needs that immensely. And we want to walk as people that have his heart, that know his love, and just give it out as best we can. Let's pray. (sighs) Father, I pray that this word you'd help us all to receive. You know everybody here. I know how I'm going to need to walk it out in my own life in the next days ahead. But I thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you are. Again, I pray this, Lord. You know everybody here. So if there's something you want to deal with with somebody, I pray they have the courage. They would have the courage to turn to you and talk honestly about it, and then they would respond to you well. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you. Amen. Hey, let me say this as we're going to pray. So we just started doing this again. So we're going to pass an offering. What are we passing now? A basket. Okay. So we're going to pass that. It's not 12. That's right. There's no fish. Doesn't smell bad. Okay. Thank you. Um, Also, there's connect cards in your worship guide. So if you have a prayer request, comment. If uh, you've not yet put your name down or what, you know, if you you want the, the email that goes out, anything, Feel free to do that. But this is, this is part of participating our act of worship. Okay? Thank you for being here. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.